Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Now, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be today. We're in a series called Our King and His Warnings, where Jesus is going to give us seven warnings through the end of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, we looked at his warnings around money. Um, This week, he gives us warnings around worry. He says in verse 25, in fact, he says it three times in the passage, do not be anxious. Now, this is a warning for us, and it's a warning we need. You know, sometimes you see warning labels, and um, you wonder why they're there. Like, uh, I was looking around, and there was a, uh, a warning label for a baby stroller. And on the warning label, on the baby stroller, it says, caution. Remove baby before collapsing stroller. Now that label's there because someone did that, right? That's that's why that label is there. Uh, There was another one I found with a Superman costume uh, at a costume dealer. And the warning label on this costume was this, warning, this costume does not enable flight or super strength. (laughs) True story, okay? Now you, you look at warning labels like this and you read them and you wonder why they're there. When we see this warning, do not be anxious, none of us wonder why it's there. We know why it's there. It's because we're anxious. We're anxious people. Now sometimes we're anxious for positive reasons. Maybe, maybe you care very deeply for something. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he talked about the, the daily pressure he had on him because of his anxiety for all the churches. Sometimes we have anxiety because of positive things that maybe we care very deeply about. I got a text this morning from my wife that said, we need to talk this afternoon. I care very deeply about my marriage, so I've got a little bit of anxiety about what exactly we need to talk about this afternoon that was texted to me this morning. Maybe you feel a level of responsibility for someone. You got a new driver, you got a kid going to college, you got a new member on your team at work that you've got to onboard. There's all these things we might feel responsible for, and, and that responsibility can lead us to being anxious and being worried. Sometimes we're anxious about negative things. Maybe you feel threatened, you feel out of control, maybe you feel unsafe. And that's been the most interesting thing to watch over the last year. People who felt unsafe and people who felt like their rights were being threatened and everybody was angry at everyone else's anxiety. Sometimes we feel unimportant. You feel uninformed or unappreciated. And these, all these feelings can create space for us to be anxious and worried. Well, Jesus is going to engage our hearts today with a warning. He's going to tell us, don't be anxious. And then he's going to give us reasons why we don't have to be. He's going to give us a warning, and he's going to give us reasons. And my hope is that God will use this to free us from anxiety and worry. That's my hope today. And so I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, and then I'll pray, and we'll jump into God's word. Therefore, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field 
which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Let's pray together. Father, um, we all bring varying forms of concern, worry, and anxiety into this room. We all face this in very real ways. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give, uh, you just give power to your word today. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us, that you would open our hearts to your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give, uh, give me clarity of mind and clarity of, of, of speech as I share from your word today, Lord. I pray that I would stay riveted to it. And I pray you give us hearts that are really receptive, hearts that are really receptive. Help us see you as you are. Help us see your care for us. Help us see the, really the, the realities around our worry. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here trusting you today. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. We're going to see two things from the passage today. We're going to see Jesus' command. We're going to see Jesus' call. Let's start with Jesus' command, okay? We see in verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Now this is a command. This is a command just like in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. And just like Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a tender push. It's a command. And what Jesus is going to do here is he's going to give us uh, the what of the command. Like, what is he telling us to do? He's going to give us a why. Why should we follow him in this? And then we're going to look at how. How do we do it? Let's start with what. So Jesus' command is do not be anxious. Do not worry. Do not fret. Do not be anxious, he says. Then he tells us a couple of a couple of areas that we're prone to be anxious about. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink. Now, he uses life in two ways in the passage. Here in verse 25, he talks about what we're going to eat or drink. Now, he's not talking about where you're going to eat or drink, okay? He's not saying don't use Yelp and don't use Urban Spoon and don't use TripAdvisor to pick the greatest restaurant you can find. That's not what he's talking about. That, that's a first world problem. They were actually wondering if they were going to eat. So they were worried about the necessary provision of life, okay? And Jesus says, don't worry about that. In verse 27, he says, who among you by being anxious can add one minute to your lifespan? So that the way life is used is not just about what you're going to eat and drink, but how long you're going to live. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about those things. Then he says, don't be anxious about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Again, he's not saying you can't have an opinion about fashion. Okay, if that's your thing, man, do that thing to the glory of God. Okay, he's not saying you can't care about what you wear. He's saying don't worry about the necessary provision of it. That's what he's getting at. He's talking about necessary provision. And he tells us, don't be anxious about those things. Now, anxiety is complicated because anxiety is not a simple command for some of us. For some of us, it's also a mental health issue. Statistics tell us that 18% of the U.S. population is diagnosed with an ongoing anxiety disorder. Most of those are some sort of, on some sort of medication to assist them with this medical health issue. Now, if you are afflicted by this, 
I don't want you to feel like I'm minimizing your reality as if it's as simple as following a command. I realize there are very very real physical, mental, emotional realities, and sometimes experiential realities that lead toward this thing. And my bet is that you would love to not feel anxiety. My bet is not that you're thinking, I don't have to, I don't have to not be anxious. I get to be anxious. Like, I, don't, I don't think anyone who really deals with anxiety is thinking that way. This is kind of your Romans 7 where Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. And so I don't want to minimize the severity of your struggle. And what I want to suggest to you is that part of your obedience to the command, do not be anxious, is to continue getting help that you need. And maybe the help you need is to talk to someone, whether that's someone here in our church. We have women's shepherding team. We have community group leaders. We have elders and pastors who would love to listen to you and and hear what's going on in your life. Perhaps getting help would look like talking with a therapist and having some medication that you might need. You may need to pursue getting help on that level. If this is you, part of, your comm- part of your obedience to Jesus' command is to get the help that you need. And, and the last thing you need to do is to walk around with shame for needing help for something like this. We get help for heart issues. We get help for diabetes. We need to get help when we have mental health struggles too. And so Jesus' command here is don't be anxious, and it's a command that we are to follow. And then Jesus gives us the why of his command. Like, why should we not be anxious? And he tells us a few reasons here that we are not to be anxious. The first one is your worry won't work. That's what he says in verse 27. He says, "Um, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Our worry doesn't Work. It will not add a minute to your life, money to your bank account, personal growth in your kids, scholarship money for college, a promotion at work. Our worry won't work. That's what Jesus is getting at. But there's more reasons. Not only does our worry not work, but our Heavenly Father does. That's what He wants us to see. That's why we don't have to be anxious, is because we have a Heavenly Father that we can trust. And He gives us two examples here. First, he says, look at the birds of the air. Look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. Can you imagine them being on the Sermon on the Mount? And Jesus says, hey, look at those birds. Neither, uh, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't grow food for themselves. They don't put it away for the winter. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, I remember growing up and we would use the phrase, oh, that person eats like a bird. And what we meant was that person doesn't eat very much. Well, that phrase is really misinformed, okay? Birds eat 25 to 50% of their body weight every day. Humans uh, eat, I want to say, like 2% of our body weight. Depends on the buffet, right? Like humans eat 2% of our body weight, okay? And so what Jesus is saying here is not that God provides a little for these little birds. What he's saying here is that he provides... 20, they have to have 20%, 20 to 25% more than what you need, and God provides for them. And if God can provide for their big need, he can provide for your small one. That's what he's saying. And then he reminds us in verse 27, are you not more, of more value than they? The answer to that question is yes, you are of more value than they. You're, you're more important to God than birds, and birds are important to him. He made them, but you're more important. 
And so the reason we don't have to be anxious is because God can carry, God can handle big problems for birds. He can handle little problems for you. And he cares for you. That's what he wants us to see here. Then he says, consider the flowers. Look at verse uh, 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Again, imagine them up on this mountain. Hey, look at those, look at those flowers over there. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't make their own clothes. They don't hit the sale at TJ Maxx. They don't go to Target. They don't go wherever. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory. So Solomon was the most wealthy king in all of Israel's history. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? What he's trying to get us to understand is God's, God's going to provide our necessary provision. He's going to take care of us. And when we look at the flowers of the field, we see that God takes care of those things that don't last very long. How much more will he take care of you? And at the end of verse 30, he says, Oh, you have little faith. Now, that's not a shaming thing. That's a tender, tender thing. It's interesting that he calls them, Oh, you have little faith, and yet still promises to provide. God's provision is not contingent on your faith. God's provision is contingent on his character. And then he goes back to the command in verse 31. He says, therefore, do not be anxious. Second time he said that. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So don't be anxious. God takes care of birds and grass. You matter to God more than birds and grass. So don't be anxious, he says. Everybody else worries about all those things. You You trust your father. That's what he says. Now, like last week, Jesus tells us what we are to do. Don't be anxious. He tells us why we are to do it because uh, your worry doesn't work and your father's going to take care of you. But he really doesn't tell us. Well, he tells us one how, but there's another how we need to bring in from somewhere else. I want you to see the first way we deal with anxiety is we look and consider. In other words, we remember what's true. First way we deal with our anxiety is we remember what's true. We remember what's true from God's creation, from his uh, common grace in the world that we see. But we also remember what's true from his word. One of the ways we battle fear, one of the ways we battle worry, one of the ways we battle anxiety is we remember what's true about our God. We got to remember what's true. The second thing we do is we run to him. We run to him. Now, if you've been around church very long at all, you might have expected I was going to go to this verse, or maybe you've seen it on a coffee mug, okay? Uh, Philippians 4. It's going to be on the screen, or you can turn in your Bible. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, do not be anxious. Too late. (laughs) You're like, too late. I'm anxious. Well, this is what he says. He says, do not be anxious about anything, not about the things you care deeply about, not about the things that you're afraid of, not about the things you feel responsible for. Do not be anxious about anything. But, he says, in everything, everything, the big things, the small things, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
So when we're anxious, not if we're anxious, when we're anxious, we bring that to God by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And he says, let your request be made known to God. That's not because God doesn't know your request. He knows what you need even before we ask. What this is, is so that we will lay, him, lay those at his feet. Now, if you're like me, I'm very good at laying them down. I'm also very good at picking them back up quickly. Here's all my requests. Oh, I'm just going to take those with me. Let you have a copy of it, you know. I'm just very good at laying them down and getting them back up. And what he calls us to do is to lay those down at his feet and leave them there. Leave them there. And then notice what happens. And the peace of God. Now, think about that. This is the peace that belongs to God, the peace that comes from God. And remember, God's not anxious. God's not worried. He's not overwhelmed. He's not wondering how he's going to work all this out. He's not caught off guard. Like, that's the kind of peace he has. That sounds like something I'd like to have, right? What Paul says is, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When we bring our request, when we bring our anxiety and our worry and our fear, when we bring that and leave it at the feet of Jesus in prayer, the peace of God, he says, guards our heart and our mind. If if you are ever walking through something difficult, that's my prayer for you. Lord, would you let your peace guard their heart and their mind? Let them not feel anything or think anything that's opposed to you and your word. You'll hear me pray that if you're ever walking through anything difficult. Because we need the peace of God to guard us in the midst of difficulty and fear. And what Paul calls us to do is to pray. Now, I want to return to those for whom this is also a mental health issue. And I want to clarify something. I'm not trying to be oversimplistic, overly simplistic about your reality. I'm not trying to say something like, hey, just pray it away. Like that's not, that's not what I'm trying to say right now. And I don't think that's what the Bible says either. Prayer might not be the only thing you need to do. You might need to see a therapist. You might need to work out. You might need to get more sleep. You might need some medication. There are a number of things you might need to do in addition to prayer to help you with anxiety. Prayer might not be the only thing you need to do, but it's the one thing you must do. Say that again. Prayer might not be the only thing you need to do, but it's the one thing you must do. Because that's what God's word tells us to do. We remember what's true. We run to our father. We leave our stuff at his feet and his peace guards our heart and our mind. And so that's Jesus' command. Don't be anxious. Why? Because your worry doesn't work. Your father does, and he cares for you. And the way you handle that is by praying and leaving all that at the feet of Jesus. And then we get a call. We get a call from Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So basically, from 25 to 32 is all this about not being anxious. And then we get what we are to do in verse 33. He says, but... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
He's calling us into something. He's calling us not to worry about the temporary realities of our life, but to invest ourselves in the eternal mission of God here. And what's interesting is this word seek here in verse 33 is the same word in verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but you, followers of Jesus, seek first his kingdom. It is to be the primary purpose of our life to seek after his kingdom. We've, we've prayed for it already in chapter 6. Jesus says, pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're seeking for his kingdom to come, his rule and reign to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I wonder sometimes how much of our anxiety comes from seeking our kingdom rather than seeking his. We want to be in control. We want the approval of others. We want the security that those things bring. And when we don't get it, when people don't bow to our rule and reign, we get worried, we get afraid, we get anxious. I wonder how much of our anxiety would be freed if rather than trying to be king, we surrender to the one who is. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, his righteousness is all about his will and way. It's a full surrender to his righteousness. And it's not something that we do to be seen. That's what we've already looked at in Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. This is not about being seen. It's also not about achieving something so that we can have God's favor and love. That's, that's been secured by Jesus on the cross. But we seek his rule and reign. We seek his will and way because that's our highest good and deepest joy. We embrace all of this. So rather than needlessly worry over the temporary things of life, we, we pursue and earnestly engage in the eternal mission of Jesus of his kingdom coming and his will and way being done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have this command, don't be anxious. We have reasons. Your worry doesn't work. Your father does and he cares for you. You've got this call. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Don't worry about all that. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all that's going to get added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so how do we apply this? How do we apply this? Well, it's not like that old Bob, Bob Newhart video. Like, Google that when you get home. Google Bob Newhart. Stop it. Don't Google it right now. I'm watching. Like, don't do that. Okay? But Google it when you get home because it's really funny. Uh, he's counseling people, and basically his counseling is stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. Like, that's not, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. He's not just trying to get at this idea of just, just stop it. He invites us. And calls us to trust our Heavenly Father. That's what he invites us to do. To trust our Heavenly Father. In verse 30, he contrasts um, being anxious with faith. We're we're called to, we're called, oh, you of little faith. Again, that's not a a shaming. That's not a zinger. That's not him trying to own those people. Like This is him tenderly calling us to deeper trust. Don't be anxious, O you of little faith. He's calling us to trust our Heavenly Father. 
He's calling us to trust him with the positive stuff, the stuff we're concerned about, the stuff we feel responsible for. He wants us to trust him with those things. He wants us to trust our Heavenly Father with the negative stuff. When we feel threatened or unimportant or passed over, He wants us to not be anxious in those moments, but to trust our Heavenly Father. And so, how do you need to trust your Heavenly Father today? How? I'm assuming all of us do in some way. That all of us need to trust our Heavenly Father in some way today. So how? And so last week, I asked you to take out your bank statement or whatever and, and ask some questions about how you were investing your money. Here's, here's what I want you to do this week, and I want you to create some space for this. You will not find the space for this, okay? You will not just stumble over free time in your world. Like, create space for this. And I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down all the things you feel anxious, worried, or concerned about. Write them down. Some of you, you'll need a note card. Some of you, you'll need a journal, okay? Just write them down. Write them down. Write down everything you're concerned about. Write down everything you're worried about. Write down everything you're anxious about. Just write it all down. Write it down. And then when you get to the bottom of that sheet, I want you to write these two questions. They're about to be on the screen. First question. Is anything too hard for my Heavenly Father? Uh, Spoiler, the answer to that is no. Is anything too hard for my Heavenly Father? Like, look, look at that list. All this stuff you're concerned and worried and anxious about. Look at that list. Is anything too hard for him? The answer is no. There's nothing on your list that keeps him up at night. There's nothing on your list that makes him afraid. There's nothing on your list that he's wringing your, his hands about. Because there's nothing too hard for him. And there's nothing on your list that he doesn't want you to bring to him. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so write it all out. Ask that first question. Is anything too hard for my Heavenly Father? Answer, no. The second question, will I trust him? Not can I. Not can I. Will I? Will I trust him? Will I trust him? And then spend some time thinking through that question. Because we can trust our Heavenly Father. We can trust him with everything on your list. Because nothing's too difficult for him. And he cares for you. He cares for you. Another reason we can trust him it's because he's already dealt with our biggest issue. And our biggest issue is not our circumstances, those, though those may be big. They feel big. That's not our biggest issue. Biggest issue is not our situation. It's not our biggest issue. Our biggest issue is that we've sinned against a holy God. That's our biggest issue. We've sinned against a holy God, and we are worthy of eternal punishment for that. And yet God, our Heavenly Father, loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die so that we could be forgiven. He's already handled our biggest problem. And so we can trust him with our littler ones. So will you trust him? Will you trust him? 
Cheryl grew up in Texas, uh, and everything's bigger and better in Texas, right? So they were riding home one night. There was a big thunderstorm, and those are big in Texas, okay? They're riding home, lightning flashing, thunder booming everywhere, just lots going on weather-wise. And she's in the back seat, and her mom looks back and says, Sweetie, are you scared? And she looks back at her mom and said, No, Dad's driving. It's going to be okay. When we're tempted to be anxious and worried and afraid, we just need to remember dad's driving. He's going to take care of us. We, we matter far more to him than birds and grass. And he's already handled our biggest issue. He's already shown he can be trusted. He sent his son to prove that. And so will you trust him? Will you trust him? Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us. You're so good to us. Lord, I pray that I pray that you would give us hearts that are open to you and to your word. Lord, I know for many of us that, that list is long, that list of things we're concerned about and worried about and scared about. That's a long list. And some of those are very important things that I would never want to make light of. Some of those uh, maybe are not, but we're we are just aware of the things we're concerned and worried and afraid and anxious about. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts that are open to you, that are trusting. And some of us have been hurt by life and find it really hard to trust you. But, Lord, you're so trustworthy. You're trustworthy. You're strong. You're good. You're powerful. You love us more than we can fathom. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray that as we create space to consider what we're afraid of and what we're anxious about, what we're worried about, what we're concerned about. Lord, I pray that as we create space to do that, that we would trust you with those things, that we would bring, bring our list to your feet, that we'd leave it there, that we'd leave it there. That in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we would drop all of our requests at your feet and leave them. And Lord, that your peace would guard our hearts and our minds as we walk through difficult days, trusting you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, with these things. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.